Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, excited for Christmas, but we can't start yet because it's not Thanksgiving yet. So we have to wait till after Thursday, right? Okay, Valley Church, it's good to be with you this morning. I am finishing out our series, Speak Jesus, and um, it's just been such a good series, hasn't it? Like really, yes, absolutely. Really challenged us as the church to be bold, courageous followers of Jesus. And so after today, we're about halfway through the book of Acts. After today, we're going to do our Christmas series, and we are hoping to circle back around in the new year to finish out the book of Acts. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I have a little gift for each of you today. The ushers are going to be handing it out Um, And so just take one out of the bowl. When I ordered them, I thought they would be a little bit bigger than they are, but they're not. They're pretty tiny. That's okay. Um, It's a little bottle with a seed inside. Some of you might guess what this is going to be explaining, but I just want you to hold it on, like hold on to it till the end of the message. Then we're going to take these out together. So maybe set it in your Bible, put it beside you. As they hand out these bottles... Um, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 12 with me this morning. Acts chapter 12 is where we're going to be. And as you turn there, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed for something, but inside you doubted that God would really answer that prayer? Have you ever prayed and prayed, but inside you had a little doubt that God would actually answer? Earlier this year, I remember sharing with you that a close friend of mine called me on the phone and she asked me to pray for her other friend who was a wife, a mom of two boys who had been diagnosed with stomach cancer. She went to the doctors. The doctor said, There's nothing else we can do for you. Your cancer has taken over your whole body. Just go home, spend these last few weeks with your husband and your two little boys until it's the end. And um, my friend said, will you pray with me? Pray that God will either work a miracle in her body or just that she will enjoy and savor these last moments with her family here. And so I did. I prayed with my friend for her friend, but I have to admit, I had little faith. Little faith that God would actually answer that prayer because the doctors had already given her the diagnosis. The cancer has taken over your body. There's nothing else we can do. But I did pray with the little faith that I had. Fast forward a few months My friend called me back, and she was in tears on the other end. And she said, "Um, my friend went back to the doctors for a checkup just to see if anything had changed. And the doctors were 
totally stunned, amazed, because they could not find any cancer in that woman's body. That, yes, that is the God that we serve, the God of the impossible. So my friend's crying on the other line. I'm crying now. They're happy tears. And God reminded me, precious, I am sovereign. It's one of my favorite attributes of God, which means he is totally in control of everything that happens in this world and in our lives. He is faithful even when my faith is small. Before we open God's word and we go through it together, would you join me in prayer? Jesus, will you come and be with us today? I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come sit among us and speak to us like only you can. This morning, would you let your words be heard, not mine, and would you take your words and transform our hearts, God, Reveal more of who you are to us. I ask this humbly for your glory. Amen. Today we're going to meet a group of believers, a church, call them the ecclesia, the called out ones. That's the Greek word for the church. In Acts chapter 12, and they were a church who was faithful in prayer. But they struggled to believe that God would really answer their prayers. They had little faith. And if you don't remember anything else today, remember this. God can use little faith to do big things, to do the impossible Pick it up with me, Acts chapter 12. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. I'm going to reread that last part. But earnest prayer. Prayer for him was made to God by the church. At this time, Jerusalem is being ruled by a king named Herod. He would have been the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great is the one who was king during the time Jesus was born. But this Herod... Now his grandson is active in persecuting anyone who belonged to the church. This was done as a way for people to like him politically. So unlike Saul, who we met a few weeks ago, 
who genuinely thought he was pleasing God by persecuting the church, Herod was only doing it to make a name for himself and to advance politically. So he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now we know that James was not the first Christian to die in faithfulness to God. Stephen was the first martyr, and then there were others after Stephen. But the death of James kind of shatters this idea that some might have that maybe the 11 apostles had like this divine protection over their life because they didn't actually. As, as you look in history, all um, almost 11 of the apostles, 10 of the apostles were all martyred and John, the one that would have been the 11th one, he died of old age. Now you may be thinking, I'm God, hello, do you see what's happening in your church right now? Like they're being attacked. Do you not care about your people? Why are people in the church dying? But the fact is, God saw it all. In fact, he allowed it. And while we might not always understand God's ways, we can always trust that he is sovereign, meaning he is totally in control of everything that happens in this world. And Romans 8:28 reminds us that all things, the good and the bad, work together for good to those who love God. You know, when God first allowed persecution to happen in his church, we studied that a few weeks ago, it was so that his gospel would spread to other people. When Herod saw that it pleased the Jews to kill James, he decides to arrest Peter as well and puts him in prison. He uses four squads of soldiers, that would be 16 soldiers in all, to do this. And this happened during one of the Jewish festivals called Passover. Passover was seven days long. It was celebrated yearly by the Jewish people, still is to this day, as they remember back to God leading them out of their slavery in Egypt, and then they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Herod wanted to make a spectacle out of Peter for the Jewish people. Then arresting um, Peter was only the beginning of Herod's plan. His intention was that after Passover was finished, he was going to gratify the Jewish people by putting Peter to death and doing it publicly, very similar to Jesus. Now keep in mind that all this happened during the Passover. And the word Passover refers to Israel's escape their freedom from slavery in Egypt. So keep that in the back of your mind. We're going to come back to that. But meanwhile, the church is just getting over grieving the death of James, and now we find them earnestly praying for Peter as he is in prison. I want to focus a little bit more on that word earnest in verse 5. This word literally pictures someone stretching out 
all that they can for something. In the Greek, the verb ektenos is related to the word ektenase, and it is a medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limits. That is how the church was praying, stretching their muscle of faith to its limit through prayer. Do you pray like that? Think about this in relation to your physical muscles, your body. I brought uh, my resistance band with me. When you stretch a muscle, you feel the tension deep down in your body, right? You exercise that muscle. But what happens to muscles when you don't stretch them, when you don't exercise them? They start to shrink and they tighten and can even bring about pain eventually in your body physically. That's called muscle atrophy. Then when you call on those muscles for activity, they are weak and unable to extend all the way. But Valley Church, I want to remind you and encourage you that we need to be a people who pray earnestly and stretch our muscle of faith to its limit through prayer. Because if we don't, what's going to happen to our faith? It's going to shrink and it's going to tighten. Much of our prayer actually, I think, is powerless because it lacks earnestness. Often, I know for myself, we can just pray prayers on repeat that lack any faith and not think too much about what we're praying for. Too often, we almost pray with the attitude of wanting God to care more about something than we actually care about it. Here's a few examples like, Lord, bless this cheeseburger and fries, even though I've already eaten half of it, right? Or like, Lord, take me safely to work and back home, but we don't follow the speed limit. We text while we drive. Earnest prayer has power, not because in and itself persuades a reluctant God. Instead, it demonstrates that our hearts care passionately about the things that God cares about. Do you feel deeply what you are praying about? Do you ask God to break your heart for what breaks his? What would it look like for you to pray more earnestly? To stretch your muscle of faith to its limit. Okay, so we know that Peter is in prison, but the church was free to pray. And that reminds us that when every other gate is shut and locked, the gate to heaven is wide open. Nothing can stop you from praying. If the Lord should bring on Valley Church an awful persecution like that of Herod, 
I think the faithful in Christ would soon learn what soul-felt, earnest prayer really is. Pick it up with me in verse 6. It goes on, Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Circle back with me to verse 6 in your Bibles. I love this verse because it says, Peter slept. What? Like how? It's the night before his execution. How could he sleep so soundly? Peter showed no signs of anxiety, of worry, of fear. He slept soundly on what he thought was his last night before his execution. Now, if we look ahead towards the end of the Bible, we find two letters that Peter wrote, the old Peter, First and Second Peter, like looking back on his life. In 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, Peter wrote, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Peter knew who was in control of this whole situation. He knew that God was sovereign and totally in control. Herod thought that he was in control, but he was wrong. Peter had no reason to be anxious. If it was his time to meet Jesus, then nothing could stop it. Now, notice this. Peter, while he's in prison, he's chained to two soldiers one on each side, and there's two more soldiers guarding the gate. Now, this isn't in the Bible, okay? So this is just me, like, getting you to think a little bit more. But if we know who Peter was, I like to call Peter a passionate, persevering preacher of the gospel. If we know that that's who Peter was, and we've seen that earlier in the book of Acts, I can't help but think that he used what he thought were his last hours before his execution to speak Jesus even to the soldiers. Because think about it. 
Two soldiers are chained to Peter. They don't have a choice not to listen if he's speaking Jesus. And I think Peter would have taken every opportunity till his last breath to speak Jesus because then it says Peter slept. I don't think he could have slept soundly if he hadn't told everyone he could of the good news of Jesus. Now, even though I'm sure that these soldiers were probably armed with swords, with daggers, probably even had spears nearby, none of their weapons compared to the secret weapon of the church, which was prayer. In the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord appears, light fills the prison cell, and it actually says the angel struck Peter to wake him up. So if you don't believe me that Peter was sleeping soundly, the angel had to like kick him to wake him up. And he tells Peter to get up, the chains fall off Peter's hands, then he tells Peter, get dressed, follow me. Peter did exactly as the angel told him, but he didn't realize that what was happening was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed two sets of guards. They come to the iron gate, and here we're thinking like, busted. Like, no way they're going to get through the iron gate. But it says the gates opened for Peter, and he walks out, and then the angel is gone. I want you to think about this. Many of us worry about the iron gate before we ever get to it. We have so much anxiety or fear or worry. What's going to happen? But God will take care of it when we come to it. For Peter, it opened of its own accord, God opened the iron gate. Now you can kind of imagine this whole scene. It probably looks like Peter is sleepwalking right out of prison. Do we have any sleepwalkers here? Oh, I, one, Allison, watch out, okay? <laughs> this is probably what it looked like was happening to Peter. But then Peter comes to and he realizes none of this is a dream. It really happened. He's free. Now this is where I want to circle back with you to the fact that this all happened during the Passover, which was a celebration from captivity. And here we see God doing it again by freeing Peter from his captivity. Throughout the Bible, I believe that every passage we read should in some way point us to Jesus and the gospel. And so looking over this story, I believe that we can see the gospel on display and the freeing of Peter from prison. If we are honest with ourselves... We're all prisoners to our sin and our shame. But Jesus was sent by God the Father 
who is madly in love with you, by the way, to set you free from your sin and your shame. Jesus came, he offered his life as a sacrifice in our place to set us free. Jesus himself said in Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying he was sent to bring freedom. Now, I know that some of you have already experienced freedom and salvation in Jesus, but there could be some of you here today that are still living as prisoners. Jesus can set you free. He can break the chains that are holding you as a prisoner. You know, the enemy wants you to stay a prisoner and in chains, but Jesus wants to set you free. And Jesus said in John 3, 16 and 17, we know this scripture by heart. This is Jesus talking. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He was referring to himself. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus says you are saved through belief in him alone. Now there are others of you here who are praying earnestly for the salvation of lost souls, of a lost family member, maybe one that you'll celebrate Thanksgiving with this week, of a lost friend, of a lost neighbor, of a lost co-worker. And I want to say to you today, keep on praying earnestly. Don't stop. Even when you get tired even when you doubt that your prayer will ever be answered, remember, you serve the God of the impossible. The soldiers, the chains, the guard posts, the iron gate were all nothing when God was with Peter and earnest prayer by the church was behind him. Let's go on to verse 12. It says, when he, Peter, realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter's standing at the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hands to be silent, 
He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said to tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Where was the first place that Peter went when he was freed? He went to where the church would be gathered. Peter knew his brothers and sisters well enough to know they would be praying for his release. And when he gets to the gate of the home, this one does not open automatically for him. He's knocking at the gate, and this servant girl, Rhoda, comes. She's so excited and overcome with joy that she leaves Peter outside the gate and runs in to tell the church, and the church tells her she's crazy. She's out of her mind. Meanwhile, Peter's still knocking outside the gate, and she keeps urging them, and they say, no, you're just seeing his angel. And I love this because the church is praying for his release, not realizing that it happened. They had little faith. Finally, they come to the gate. They're amazed to see Peter. And it's obvious from this that they, they had some doubts mixed in, that God would actually answer their prayers you know, that's really encouraging for me because there are times when I pray and I only have a little bit of faith. Like when I prayed for my friend's friend with cancer, I only had a little faith. But I'm here to tell you, don't doubt what your little faith can do. God can use little faith to do big things. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I want you to take out that little bottle that you had. Inside it is a mustard seed. And I just want you to Look at the mustard seed. Jesus said, that's how much faith you need to have for the impossible. I don't know what seems impossible in your life right now. Only you do. God does. But Jesus says, this is how much faith you need. Believe me for the impossible. This church used their mustard seed size faith and they stretched it to its limit through prayer and believed God for the impossible. Peter says to tell everything to James and the brothers and then he leaves and goes to another place. And this is actually the last time you read about Peter in the book of Acts other than just a mention of him a few chapters later on. But it is obvious that God wasn't done using Peter. There were still more people that Peter was supposed to speak Jesus to. And Peter says, tell the brothers what happened. I think he said that to mean go encourage them 
to remember it only takes a little faith. As I was studying and preparing for this message, it seemed a little deja vu to me, like too soon to be focusing on prayer again, because if you remember, I preached on prayer just a few months ago. But the more I thought about it, and I read this passage, and I, I prayed over it, I believe that Jesus, through his word today, is wanting me to remind you and myself again the importance of earnest prayer. The secret weapon that he gave you to fight against the enemy. This last month, I've talked to many of you at Valley Church through phone calls, text messages, I've gotten emails, just one-on-one, that have expressed the enemy attacking, attacking your marriages, attacking your relationships, your families, your physical health, where you're at in life, even attacking 242 groups. And I'll just be honest with you, my heart has been very heavy for Valley Church. And I've grieved and cried a lot as I've prayed over you. But in my fleshly mindset and through tears, I prayed, Lord, I just want to fix it for them. I just want to fix it. He's gently reminded me, precious, you can't. Only I can. Your job is to humble yourself before me. Activate your secret weapon that I gave you prayer. Pray earnestly for Valley Church. And use the little faith that you have, your mustard seed, to believe me for the impossible. I believe Jesus is calling his church, his church globally, but Valley Church, I'm going to focus it in. Jesus is calling Valley Church to pray earnestly, to stretch your muscle of faith like never before. Church, get on your knees before the Lord. Fall prostrate before him. Go hide in your closet. Go for a car ride. I don't care what it looks like. Just pray more earnestly. As long as we keep speaking Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and calling people to repentance here at Valley Church, the enemy will attack That is a guarantee, but we will not stop. Our weapon of prayer is stronger than anything the enemy throws at us. Earlier this fall, I shared in a Wednesday night Bible study that I was discouraged because God was not answering a specific prayer that I had been praying. And I believed that what I was praying truly aligned with God's heart and his will. 
He's not here today, but our brother Doug Dilliman spoke some powerful truth in response to what I shared, and he said, sometimes God doesn't always answer our prayers right away because he wants to receive the most glory possible from a situation. So if that situation goes on longer than we think it should, God might be doing that on purpose to bring more glory to himself in the end. I needed to hear those words. And I was so encouraged by them because I don't ever want to rush God or take glory away from him. My job is just to keep stretching that muscle of faith through prayer And it may mean praying earnestly about something for several years. But if that's what it takes, then so be it. I'm reminded of what the early church based their gatherings on. Four specific practices that we we practice in our 242 groups along in our corporate gatherings here. The verse Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the last one, and the prayers. The last one, I think, sometimes can unintentionally be the one that we focused on the least in our gatherings. But this morning, we're going to change that. Because to close... I want to spend the last five minutes in silence. And it may feel a little uncomfortable for us, but that's okay. I want you to seek God's heart earnestly through prayer. Use these five minutes to pray silently or write out your prayers on the back of your bulletin. You know what is heavy on your heart Talk to God about it. But remember, you can't fix the person or the problem. Only Jesus can. And while you're praying, allow yourself to feel deeply what you're praying about. Let Jesus be your example in this way. Scripture says that Jesus prayed earnestly that same word on the Mount of Olives before his crucifixion. So church, with Jesus as your example, stretch the muscle of your faith in prayer. It may lead you to tears, and that is okay. It has led me to tears so much. Jesus wept over Jerusalem when he prayed over it. And if you need some examples as to where to begin... There will be several examples on the screen, but for the next five minutes, use your mustard seed-sized faith and let's talk to Jesus.
Church, as you keep on praying right now, I know that some of you may be dealing with an impossible situation, but today you want to make a decision to trust God for the impossible. And if that is you, and you want to exercise that mustard seed-sized faith in God for that situation, then will you take your little bottle with a mustard seed in it and raise it up in the air right now? Then we're going to exercise the muscle of faith today by praying over that. Lord Jesus, will you heal Valley Church? Heal marriages that are struggling? Heal families that are broken and dysfunctional. Heal strained relationships and heal grieving hearts. Will you heal trauma from people's past? Heal your people from anger, bitterness, resentment, pride, greed, jealousy, anxiety, depression, wrong thinking. Jesus, heal us from our sin and shame. You alone provide the healing that we need. Lead us to exercise our mustard seed muscle of faith through prayer as we right now believe you for the impossible in all these situations in Valley Church right now. God, we believe that you can do it. We don't want to take glory away from you. So if it means something happening longer than we want, Lord, don't let us grow weary. Help us to keep stretching that muscle of faith. God, use Valley Church to bring the hope and healing of Jesus to people in our valley and around the world. You can put your hands down. I also know that for some of you, you feel like your sin separates you from experiencing a relationship with God. You feel locked in the prison of your shame and regret. But I am here today to bring you hope and good news. You can be freed from that prison, forgiven of your sin and freed from your shame in Jesus. If you have never asked Jesus to save you, but you want to make that decision today, will you courageously raise your hand right now and show me? Yes, I need Jesus to save me. I want to be set free. If that is you, you can pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I confess and repent of my sin. I believe in your death and resurrection for me. I believe that you alone are the way, the truth, and the life. Please save me and set me free from my sin and my shame. From this moment forward, I am yours. Thank you for loving me. 
Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You were faithful then at the beginning of your church, and you are faithful now, and so we will praise you. Valley Church, will you stand and worship? Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.